Welcome to the Fitness Canner Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Feigl. I'll be bringing you the truth about exercise by interviewing fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, as well as fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders. Hopefully you take this info and apply it to have a better, healthier, and happier lifestyle. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fitness Scanner Podcast. I am joined today by Keith Clayhold. He is the strength and conditioning coach slash fitness coordinator, so he's got a lot of responsibility for Wilkes University, and look, it might be easier for me just to, to have him tell you of all of the uh, All-Americans in the different sports that he's had, the all of the conference championship wins that he has, like the 31 student athletes that have gone professional in under under his his guidance because you know without without the backing of a good strength and conditioning program the athletes are are um, kind of left up to their own devices you know let's be honest you know, like it take it takes a team to develop uh, good athletes and, and I think uh, coach coach Clayhold has definitely got it down pat so coach I, I appreciate you joining us today well thank you thank you for having me uh, it's definitely a honor uh let's let's rein it back a little bit i don't know if an honor <laughs> is exactly like what uh fitness scanner podcast is looking for but i appreciate that <laughs> um <laughs> fill in some well, gaps. It, is, it is for me i don't i don't get asked to be, do these things very often so well you know, I'm, I'm at a small school in northeast pa so um these kind of things don't come our way very much at this at division three level well look at in all in all seriousness with with your with your backing and all the things that you've accomplished, it, it should happen more often. And so I'm I'm privileged that I get to share your your story because without I don't care what what how big the school is, if you're producing results, that's what matters, right? I mean that, that's just that's that's the end game. And uh, Chris Tarullo right. had he's a, a former podcast guest had nothing but good things to say about you uh, as being a mentor and. Um, you know, if if the, if he speaks to half of what you're doing at Wilkes University, then then I think we're gonna have a great show. So um, don't undersell it. Like this is, you know, you're you're gonna. I think you're gonna. I think you. I think it's making an impact. And I think the. I think right now, and I, I just had this conversation the other day with someone whose podcast will be released in a in a few weeks. That like the up and coming um, D two D three schools. Strength and conditioning has been such a, it's been huge in the past, like 15 years. It's starting to make like that come up and you can speak more to yeah. this later, I'm sure. And it's starting to become such a stronghold rather than just the, just the recruiting side. Like students want to know what kind of athletes are the university producing and not just because of the game, but because of what they're doing in the weight room. Right. So I think, um, I think no matter if it's D1, D2, D3, you know, single A, double A, triple A, like it's all, it's all coming down to what kind of athletes, if you can make a, a good athlete great in the weight room, then hey, you know, you're making a name for yourself. So right. let me catch my breath and I will let you fill in some gaps for us about your background. Okay. Um, well, I actually started out as a, an athletic training major in college. Um, I, uh, went to, uh, Slippery Rock University 
and uh, was an athletic training major there. About midway through my, uh, actually just after my sophomore year, uh, I went home for the summer and my brother decided to open up his own gym. Uh, and he hired me to to pretty much run it for him in the summer. He needed to keep his full-time job and his wife needed to keep her full-time job, but they opened up the gym on the side and asked me to run it for them over the summer. And uh, I fell in love with with training athletes right from the start. Like uh, I worked with a, I worked at my local high school that I went to with a couple athletes that were there um, that were younger than me and I, that I knew and came back and helped them with some, you know, some, some plyos and some strength training stuff. And, you know, one of the, one of the guys that really had an impact, uh, he was a basketball player and, and you know, he was, uh, I want to say six, three, six, four, uh, tallest kid on the team, but he couldn't dunk a basketball. So we worked all summer, and by midway through the summer, he was dunking a basketball, no problem. And from then on, I was hooked. That's awesome. Um, working on preventing the injuries and and working on improving performance was what I wanted to do. So uh, I finished. I I kept with athletic training. I was already halfway through, so you know, might as well might as well finish it out. And I figured it would give me a good background for strength and conditioning. Um, so I finished it, and uh, it actually did. It, it landed me at Florida Atlantic University as a GA uh, athletic trainer for a year. And at the end of that first year, they hired me as their first ever head strength coach. So at 23, I was the head strength coach at a Division One Division One university. And you know, uh, uh, for, fortunately, unfortunately, it was trial by error and. Right you know getting in the fire right away so it was uh it was definitely a great experience i learned a lot i spent five years there uh decided to settle down move home and uh get married so i moved back to pa and that's how i ended up at wilkes university and i've been there now 14 years you know i've heard that quite a bit from from other people about how like not only the falling in love piece but how you know, just kind of transitioning into when they first when they first got like hooked on um, strength and conditioning, and how that led into so much other um, opportunities. So, like, it's not uh, like everybody shares that uniqueness. I feel like, and that that's really cool. How no matter what level you're on or what athletes you train, everybody has that same familiarity where something clicked, and it was like, "Yep, I'm doing this forever." Right. Exactly. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't, obviously some guys it does. And, and my thing is, is, you know, if I can make a decent living for my family at what I love to do, I'm never going to really have to work a day in my life. Nope. Not, not even close. Not even so, close. and, and fortunately, fortunately for me, that was one thing that I was taught by my parents all way, way back when. And, uh, and it worked out for me. Um, yeah. you know, looking back, you know, uh, you know, my wife's a coach and is a softball coach and understands the the daily grind of a strength coach and, and, you know, sport coaches. And so we get along very well. And, you know, fortunately we're both at the D3 level. So, you know, when, when in the fall, when she's not as busy and I'm busier, she picks up our daughter from school. And, you know, when, you know, I'm, she's busy in the spring with games then that's when I have to, you know, make sure I'm out of the weight room at a certain time to, to go get our daughter and pick her up from school or whatever else we might have to do. Right. So it's, uh, but, you know, back to the strength and conditioning part, I mean, 
it really is. I mean, it's it's something you fall you really fall in love with, and and you look forward to help not just helping the individual, but you know when when you get to the conditioning side of it, you know a lot of times you're doing the 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 team conditioning. So mm-hmm. you know it's it's very rewarding to have that team out there and win that game in overtime, and just know that you know they wouldn't have been able to do it. They wouldn't might not have been able to get past that team. Um, in overtime if it wasn't for that little bit of extra running you did with them on a certain day or or whatever and then to actually have them come over and say thanks coach yeah if it wasn't for you we wouldn't have won that makes it even worth more right absolutely cycle back to to the relationship side of things because um, I haven't talked very much about this but what it takes for and I think you're in definitely a unique position Keith because you're you know if your wife is in strength conditioning or athletics also um, at this point in your life that to be a spouse or the significant other of someone who aspires to be a strength coach or a personal trainer or a, an athletic, um, you know, athletic trainer or something like that, that is a really unique spot to be in because that person oh. puts in an ungodly and look this is not taking away from everybody else that that puts in an unreal amount of work and has a relationship i'm not saying that but specifically to this podcast specifically to what you're doing and what you know you and i are in love with people who who happen to <laughs> happen to love us and who support things that we do you know being gone at 4 a.m being up at 4 a.m being gone at 5 until 8 9 o'clock at night that's not easy for most people. It's not easy to, re- to, to know that like, look, I know you're going to be gone because you love this, but also because it's, it's how you choose to, to, um, have an income to help support our family. It's not easy. And if you find somebody who, who is supportive of that and who kind of gets it, who has it like that aha moment where they think like, okay, I, I completely understand. Like my wife, for instance, is, you know, she, she loves working. Well, I don't know if she loves working out. Like I kick her ass all the time, but <laughs> like she likes, she's into fitness and exercise. So for me, it's like, great. You know, I know she understands, but you know, for a long time, she was like, I hate when you get home at eight, nine o'clock at night. I hate it because I'm already at home, you know? So, so that's a unique perspective from your part because you guys have, you have that mold together and you, you kind of had to figure that out. Um, as you went. And I think, uh, I think that goes a long way for sure. It so, definitely does. And, and, uh, I mean, I have to say, you know, I was always very, very, our relationship is, is great and she helps out with everything. And, and, uh, the, the one part I was worried about was actually having a child then on top of it. I, because what, once you add that ingredient into the, the whole mix of, you know, strength and conditioning, softball coach. Um, and I actually didn't mention, besides being the softball's coach, she's also an administrator in the athletic department at her school. So, oh, you know, she has all kinds of responsibilities. Oh, Maybe I should just get her um, on the podcast. What are you doing on here? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but, uh, but and then to have, you know, our, our daughter who, you know, thankfully got my wife's athletics and and to, I, I really hope my, my uh, drive and work ethic, but um, to add that to it does make it a very, I think a very unique situation because, um, you know, my wife actually, um, 
I got the lucky start, and my wife had the hard start as far as athletics goes. Sure. Um, she went from high school coach to uh, assistant coach to finally a, a, her own head coach position at the college level, but that was five hours away from where we live. So wow. we had an apartment there for her and spent pretty much 10 months of the year apart. And my daughter was with me because I had the better schedule. Yeah. So um, now she's home and we're, it's it's actually amazing how different it is not being a single father and raising a daughter. Right. So, um, That's... but no, it really is. It does take that special someone a special spouse to, you know, really have to, to understand all the ins and outs of what you do as a strength coach. Definitely. Um, and how Definitely. much, and how much the athletes that you work with, the teams that you work with, and even the coaches that you work with really do appreciate it. Um, definitely makes the difference. And yeah. and then when your spouse can see it as well, I mean, um, it's great. Well, yeah, and that definitely since they already have, are, they already have the understanding and they know how excited you get when those student athletes right. see the outcome. So one thing exactly. that you, you, one thing that you and I talked about um, a couple of weeks ago was having this self learning moments, because obviously everything we just talked about is definitely a learning moment, you know, up to where your career is now having self learning moments and giving the student athletes those exact, not exact same learning moments, but helping them like learn about what they're doing in the weight room Explain a little more about that and, and tell us how you try to encourage those, those learning moments through the, the season. Well, it, it's, it's, uh, it's those, those certain, I, I call, actually call them teaching moments um, that you have. And it's, you know, it can be anything from, you know, we had a, a football player and we were testing the other day. And, and when we test, uh, we kind of do it like a, uh, like a powerlifting or an Olympic lifting competition. You get three attempts. Once you miss your third attempt, you're done. Uh, you know, it's, it's those, uh, my big thing is eventually you're going to start getting tired and you're and just going to end up diminishing returns and you're going to end up hurting yourself if you keep going. So we're going to cut you off at three. And we had this football player and he was testing. He missed his third attempt and he goes, but coach, I can get it. I know I can. Just let me try one more time. And I just looked at him. I'm like, um, his, his, his name was Jones. I go, Jones, relax. You're going to yeah. get another try in a couple of weeks. You'll get another try next week when, when we're, we're training again. I go, but think about this. I go, when you're on the field, and, he, he, I go, and you're on defense, I go, and it's a goal line stand, I go, you get three tries to keep them out of the end zone, and then pretty much they're going to kick a field goal. I go, but if you let them in on on the first on first down, they scored a touchdown. You're not allowed to go to the official and be like, wait, 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 I wasn't ready. Let me do a retry. <laughs> right. It's three and you're done. Yep. And he's like, okay, coach, I understand now. So it's it's little moments like that. It's you know, I had a, actually had a moment over over our spring break, um, which was we actually had our spring break not last week, but the week before, um, the first week in March, first full week in March, um, where one of our football players, um, I had the opportunity to go to Myrtle Beach with my wife's softball team for the week, and I wanted to make sure I gave my assistant time off also. So I needed one of my work-study students to cover the fitness center for me while we were both gone. And um, I asked uh, one of of our other football players to – 
to cover the fitness center while I was going, if he wanted to. And he said, yeah, you know, I wanted the extra hours and I could use the extra money, so no problem. But then before I left, I had heard he got into some trouble on campus. So I, I asked him about it, and he said, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't my fault. You know, I was just there, da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, okay, well, I want you to remember something. I go, I recommend – I was the one that stuck my neck out for you to stay on campus. Right. Over break. So if you do something to get in trouble, you're going to make me look bad. Right. And I go, and I'm going to take a, offense to that. And once you know, he, he and it wasn't necessarily his fault, but he let his roommate into their room to get some stuff. And then he went to work Well, and his roommate stayed and got into a bunch of trouble. Well, his roommate wasn't supposed to be in, in the building in the first place because it was during break. Uh-huh. But since he let him in, he got in trouble again. So, you know, it's one of those things. And he's like, but coach, you know, I just let him in. He is my roommate. And I go, but it's like me letting someone in the weight room that's not supposed to be there. Right. If they get hurt, I'm the one that's responsible for them. Yeah. And he's like, oh. <laughs> and he understood then. So it's those those little teaching moments that, you know, it might not have anything to do with athletics. It might have something to do with, like, that that situation there with – you know, real life and insurance and stuff like that, where, you know what, you, you, you might've had good intentions, but not everybody else around you always does. Right. And so you have to, you know, look out and make sure that, you know, if you let somebody in, when you leave, they leave for that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. So, and granted, I don't work with a lot of athletes. Everybody knows that, but I, you know, I hear this thing sometimes how sometimes, from people who may may not uh, have have played at, in athletics or have had have an athletic background, like you know, athletics really don't that play that big a part in like your entire you know the big scheme of life or you know I kind of call bullshit on that because it's you know it's things like that like if you if you slip up in real life like that kid did and he realizes that he could slip up on that same person during a game or during practice or in the weight room or whatever, wherever, and there are consequences to that, I mean, that's a crossover. And people think about right. that. And then it always reflects back. Like, that kid will probably always think about that. And he'll always – he'll even if even if it's not with the, right, with the weight room, I bet that kid looks at that, that other teammate in the weight room. I bet he's like, I'm not going to let that guy fail because of you know what I did like he's gonna push that other person is probably gonna have a better outcome because of that instance so if you already have that if you already have that mindset seriously like legitimately and people are probably out there like ah bullshit yeah that sounds so stupid it's made up but if you think about that like (laughs) I don't want I don't want somebody that I've that I accidentally got in trouble. I don't want them ever to think of me as someone who's gonna get them in trouble again so what am I gonna do I'm gonna work harder I'm going to do more. Right. I'm going to be in the right places. I'm going to show up on time. I'm going to push that person. I'm going to be there when it counts. You know, like that's, I mean, exactly. that's, so, so if people like, I, I just kind of feel like if people say that kind of stuff, like, ah, you know, athletics is, we, we could be just fine without athletics. We probably could, but I kind of feel like 
you know, we're not out hunting for our food or anything anymore. I might be getting off on a tangent, so you might want to cut me off. But, like, I, we're not out hunting for our food anymore. So, like, uh, you know, a jaguar's not going to, like, pop up and, like, take out our teammate. But in the big scheme of things, like, where we are right now, athletics matters in, 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 in the fact that it shapes how we treat others and how we're going to show up for other people. Right. Well, and, and it's one of those things where – you know, my wife and I were having a conversation about um, her softball team and, and our football team. And granted, they're two totally different sides of the spectrum as far as, as far as sports. But, you know, one of the things I brought up was that how years ago, the Division Three rule for spring ball was that you couldn't take out a football. You t- couldn't go out in shoulder pads or helmets or any kind of pads at all. Pretty much what we did during spring ball was we conditioned them for 16 days. And then that was it. They were done with spring ball and then, you know, and they did, you know, went through the summer and did their rest of their training and then came back in August and we were ready to play. And now, now they can take out a football and they can take out pads. They can't wear any pads. They can't wear helmets and shoulder pads and that kind of stuff. But they can take out blocking dummies and things like that to work on. And one of the things I noticed is that when we had those days where we could go out and condition them, and I, I specifically remember, I don't remember what year it was, but I specifically remember one spring where we were about halfway through our our first day of conditioning and we have a hill right by our field. And we had about, I'd say probably about 40 out of 100 players sprawled across the hill with, you know, trainers going to them. Some of them were, you know, tired and cramping or, you know, might have thrown up a little bit. Who knows? Um, but our trainers were taking care of them and they were all fine, you know. Right. And then the, the rest finished whatever we had planned for them. But when we came around to the next fall, we came back to fall and, and came back to August. Those players had a sense of accomplishment mm-hmm. amongst themselves. And there was no way that guy on your left and that guy on your right was ever going to let you down. Right. And today, because we don't necessarily, we've kind of, I, I think in some cases as strength coaches and, and also because now they take out their they they take out the ball and they run plays and they have the 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 dumb blocking dummies and stuff like that right. they don't do anywhere near the kind of, of conditioning that we did back then nah, um now it's a little bit harder to get that same kind of commitment from one player to the next you know there's there's that camaraderie um you know that kind of kind of like along with you know the the TV show and and the the movie Band of Brothers. You know, once you go something th- through something like that, you, you're brothers forever. Yeah, good point. 100%. So and it was something we talked about with her softball team, where you know, if when she went down before she went down to spring break about doing you know a certain conditioning drill that you know was kind of tough, but you would build them up, and and by the time they were done, they'd have that sense of accomplishment that hey, we all did this and we all did it together. Yeah. So, um, and unfortunately, I mean, she came back from their their spring break trip four and four, but well, that's not too bad. 
that doesn't it doesn't matter. You know what though? That goes along with what you said about being in it together because those the students that get to stay there, the athletes that get to stay there, and they remember that four and four season or that the four and four record from that tournament or whatever it is. You know the okay. So I might be getting a little deep here, but like th- those seniors move on, and those seniors will pay attention to what the the rest of the athletes do. You know, for the next ten, oh, exactly. twenty. 30, 40 years, whatever it is, especially in the immediate, in the, in the next five years, those seniors that moved on and had that experience of going four and four and maybe let, let's just break it down to like maybe not winning a tournament or, you know, I mean, we're, hell, we're in March Madness right now, right? So you get you get a team, a great exactly. team like Duke or somebody that gets knocked out. You don't think those at, those seniors are going to move on and look at the, what those those up-and-coming sophomores, juniors, and seniors do? hundred percent they're going to and they know they they've exactly. all been in it together and they want those people to like it's almost like redemption right i can imagine i mean i haven't been in that position right. i mean good god like my my athletic highlight came in winning the, the kell tournament in 1997 you know what i mean like <laughs> it was a basketball right. tournament like you I, don't laugh at this keith because you don't know anything about it but like i'm from a small a ridiculously small town with like you know nobody in it but I mean, it's those people look back and I always look back and I see like how, how Grand Prairie Elementary did in that tournament, you know, in the Kell tournament. So those people, they look back and they see and they want to see like the effort because it's they know what they had to go through to get there. And they know what those students coming after them have to go through to get there. They know. Like it's right. a grind, no matter what, no matter where you enter into the system, it's going to be a grind. You know, whether it's like 1920, where God knows how hard those the guys freaking threw leather pads on and hit each other. You know, they didn't know anything about right. like like uh, concussion protocols or days off or anything like that. Like resting makes a better athlete. They didn't know anything about that. So. Right. You know, in 1930, that 1930 team looked back at that 1920 Stanford football team and said, you know, we know how hard you have it. That's not that much different than the 1980 UCLA football team or baseball or basketball team looking looking to the, the previous you know decade saying, we know how hard you have it. Right. You know, hey, it's as simple as well, that. Exactly. And, 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 and also, like, we had uh, actually one – I had my first athlete since I've been at Wilf get inducted – into our hall of fame. And it was one of, one of our football players. And, um, he won the, it's the, they, they basically division three gives out two, um, two awards that are similar to the, the Heisman trophy for division three. Um, one's pretty much for like the East coast and one's pretty much for the West coast. From what I understand, I could be wrong. Um, but, <laughs> I'm not going to uh, bust you on it. Well, <laughs> Uh, we had a tailback who, in, in my first two years at Wilkes, won the award both years. Um, it's called the Melberger Award, and um, I think our rule is is you have to be out of college, out of have graduated and been out of the university for five years before you can be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Wow. Well, his first year that he could be, he was eligible. He was inducted, and uh, wow. when he came back for his induction ceremony. Um, I was amazed at how many of his teammates showed up that graduated before him and after him, but showed up to be there when he got inducted. Wow. 
So, and, and he had his, the funny thing was he had his entire offensive line there that he had those two years. That's huge. All of them were there. Exactly. And, and those guys were the guy, the reason he was able to run for, you know, 2000 yards in one season. hundred percent. So, and you know, when he got up in front of everybody, he thanked them, but you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I always look like even working in the weight room and working on the field and that kind of thing. That, those are the kind of friendships and bonds and, and, yep. and things that you're going to develop in athletics. Definitely. Without a doubt. That's huge. You know, another thing that you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago was the merging of athletic training and strength and conditioning. And this isn't, this is not uncommon because I, I've heard this from a couple other podcast guests about how important it is right now for um, both of those sides to come together, um, wh- whether it's to protect to protect the athlete to make sure that they're moving in the right direction, and uh, I mentioned in a couple podcasts ago that it almost seems like in in nearly anything else that if you're on the athletic training side, your way is the right way, and if you're on the strength and conditioning side, your way is the only way, and. I, I hope to see, and I, I think we are, with the more knowledge that we're, we're getting, a merging of the two. And you and I discussed that and how that needs to be a necessity in the weight room in order for those athletes to succeed and the program to succeed as a whole. So give us a little insight on what you're seeing in your weight room. Uh, actually, we I'm I have to say I'm very fortunate to work with our athletic trainers. Um, we were because of my background, we're able to work very closely together. Um, but it is very very important, and it's one of those things where, you know, granted my I would say my evaluation skills are not what they used to be. I haven't had to evaluate a knee or a shoulder or pretty much anything for the last like 14, 15 years. So. But at the same time, I at least have that background where if the athletic trainer comes to me and says, uh, this athlete has, you know, this problem or that problem. I know exactly what they're talking about. I may need to ask a, a question or so, you know, especially because when, when I came through athletic training, we really didn't deal with labrum tears anymore at that point, um, where today it's actually quite co- quite a common shoulder injury. So um, sometimes, you know, I have, okay, well, it's this part of the labor room. What do I need to stay away from or what can they do and what right. can't they do? But, um, but it's definitely one of those things where you really need to stay on top of it and communicate with your trainers every day. And one of the things that, that we do is, you know, if, and, and this is with myself and my assistant, you know, in the weight room. Okay. If, if so-and-so has a, a lower body injury, we understand, you know, depending on the severity of it, they might not be able to do any other lower body exercises with us right. in the weight room. And that's fine. But while we have the rest of their team in there doing lower body exercises, they should be in the training room with athletic trainers doing whatever they can do lower body wise to get themselves better so they can get back to us. Right. So one of the things we do is we check every day with our athletic trainers, making sure that our injured players and athletes have been to the training room and have been doing their rehab. And then, you know, once they get to the point where, okay, you know, now, that now, 
they're past their preliminary part or say, God forbid, somebody tore their ACL, they did their initial rehab, they're ready to come back to the weight room and start squatting and doing lunges and things like that. That's when we take over and, you know, they share with us the that athlete's protocol and we just progress them the rest of the way all the way back to the field then. Absolutely. Um, but, um, I mean, it's it's one of those things too. Like and, and like you said, we talked about it before where, you know, when I was at when I was at Slippery Rock, I did uh, shoulder rehab with one of our quarterbacks, and uh, one of the things we had is different, or one of the things our head athletic trainer there had me do with him was uh, what I call now box push-ups, where we had three or four boxes set up along the floor, space in between for a push-up in between, and he had to put his hand, and they were all different heights. But he had to put one hand on the box and one hand on the floor and do a push-up. Then shuffle over and put now his, say say he started with his right hand on the box. He would shuffle over and put his left hand on the box, right hand on the floor, and do another push-up. And then over to the next box and change height and across and back was one set. Well, when I got to Florida Atlantic, I was like, okay, well, when football came in, it was one of those things, okay, well, offensive linemen are always changing their hand position to, you know, you know, block and, and things like that. You have a, a, a defensive tackle or a defensive end coming from the outside, you know, usually that hand's going to be back close. Your other hand is going to be extended. You know, those are all kinds of different positions they're going to have to be put in. That's basically like the box push-ups we did in rehab when I was at Slippery Rock. Right. So, but now as a strength coach, well, what can I do to make them harder? So, because just doing regular push-ups, eventually it's going to get pretty easy. So, we actually started using weighted vests. And when putting one weighted vest on was too easy, then we put two weighted vests on and did it that way. Um, And it worked great. We cut down on our shoulder injuries tremendously um, and actually got strengthened our athletes in positions that they were going to have to use on the field. So, you know, that's, that's the other thing part about, you know, strength and conditioning and athletic training where, you know, it's a good marriage. Right. You know, if they, if they work together, you can have a tremendous program. Absolutely. A good marriage. I like that. I'm going to actually, while I got my computer in front of me, I'm going to jot down. <laughs> so I don't forget that. Cause that's, that's perfect. I mean, that, that totally makes sense because it shouldn't be an opposing, it shouldn't be an opposing force. One shouldn't be rehab. One shouldn't be, the strength side, they should both be together. They should both be together because that's what that's ultimately they have the exact same. They want the exact same outcome, right? Right. And I mean, right. You know, as simple as I like things to be, I, I'm a huge proponent as as uh, of um, mastering the easiest things, the simplest, the most basic things. Do those things extremely right. well, and then you introduce those right. other those like those box push-ups. You know, to see right. if those see if those athletes can adapt to that. Can they adapt to that? If not, then why? Right? Circle back around right. to, to, to to what you taught before that and then kind of master that. But I like that I like that philosophy as you know of of bringing both the athletic training side and the strength and conditioning side together. Another thing that you and I talked about, kind of the, the quote unquote marriage part of that is being resourceful because a Division three school, no matter if you like it or not, is not going to have the resources as a Division two. Division two school is not going to have the resources like Division one. And let you know, 
in some some aspects, Division two and three combined probably won't have the ass the the resource or the assets that di- some Division one schools have. So talk about the the resources and how resourceful you and your staff have to be to to maintain that level of competitiveness that that you know how to do. Well, the the big thing with with uh, with me and 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 being at Wilkes is is it is we have to be very resourceful. And fortunately, um, my athletic uh, my athletic director is wonderful to work with, um, but I have no budget for our fitness center or our strength and conditioning program at Wilkes. Um, anything that we get for the fitness center or for strength and conditioning comes out of our athletic director's general budget. So, a lot of times, what I have to do is either wait till the end of the year when all our sports are done and, and to a degree this sounds bad, but almost hope that nobody makes playoffs because I'm the opposite. I want everybody to win. Right. Um, but hope that nobody makes playoffs so that we don't spend extra money transporting our teams to away games and food for them. I get it. And potentially overnight trips. So that there's money left over so that I could get something for the fitness center. Yep. Um, or, if I'm lucky, and this is the way it's worked most recently, the last couple, last like five years or so, is I pretty much at the end of the fiscal year, or as we get close to the end of the fiscal year, draw up what things I need to get me through the next year. Whether it's bands or uh, BOSU balls or physio balls or medicine balls, pretty much the smaller ticket items. Um, that kind of thing, uh, I will take to her at the end of the fiscal year. And when we get the new budget year or start the new budget year, she will find a way with it. As long as I'm within reason, um, she will find a way to get it for me at the beginning of the new budget year. So, but that's one way. The other way is, um, because our, our equipment in our weight room actually is 14 years old. I, I said, I've been there 14 years. So, when I got there was when all the equipment got there too. Um, so our equipment is rather aging. Um, but fortunately I found out that our student government, our uh, student government on campus is very supportive of a lot of different things on campus. And because granted we run our strength and conditioning out of our fitness center. Um, it is open at all times to all students on campus. So even if we have the football team in there, it's open to everybody else to come in and work out as well. Okay. And it, it actually works out. You know, sometimes it gets a little congested, but it works out. And, you know, the gen, usually our, our regular students kind of realize when certain teams are working out and when it's going to be packed. And we realize when, you know, obviously over the years when our general students are more likely to come in. So we try and schedule teams around those times instead during those times. Right. But our student government over the last, I want to say the last five years, four years actually, has probably spent close to $150,000 on our fitness center. That's awesome. So, in fact, uh, I was very happy. I just got approved for another $36,000 to upgrade by the end of this spring semester. Holy shit. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that's incredible. So, 
but it's one of those things. If I hadn't explored that avenue and and gone to one of our student count our student government representatives and said, hey, you know what, you know, we could really need I really need some new equipment down here. And the athletic department, you know, we bought. You guys said you wanted TVs. We bought TVs for you. Yep. You know, you said you wanted mirrors, so we put mirrors in for you. You know, we can't afford a big ticket item like, you know, five or seven new treadmills. But can you help with that? We can right. maybe get one. Right. And they ended up, and I mean, they they've made a huge difference in in. Uh, and what I can do and how I can do my job now for me. And I'm very, I have to say, I'm very grateful. That's incredible. Just the fact that, but, that I don't mean to cut you off, that, 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 that kind of cycles back around to how important athletics is as a whole. Like a university's student body is going to say, hey, we need to upgrade. Obviously, it's going to benefit them also because, you know, health and wellness is, is kind of kind of on the uprise. So people right. people on the on the campus, they want better equipment. They want a better facility. But obviously, they, especially in a, a situation like yours, they know it's going to bef- benefit their athletic team. And, uh, and that's going to – they're doubling down on their money is what they're doing. Right. Well, and I'll, I'll give you an example like – um, obviously over the last three years, two years, we, we switched out all our cardio equipment. We got all brand new cardio equipment. I mean, we were at the, the 13 year mark or 12 year mark and none of our cardio equipment, um, it was all working, but it was like on its last leg. And with their help, we were able to get all new cardio equipment. We got seven treadmills. We got, um, three new recumbent bikes, two upright bikes. We got, eight or nine new ellipticals. I mean, you name it, they did it all. But now like the recent thing we added in the last three, two years, we added five new sports. So when I first got to Wilkes, we had 14 sports. Now this fall, we will have 22. Wow. And then next fall, we'll actually add men's, men's ice hockey. So we'll have 23 next fall. Oh, wow. So with that, one of the things that we've, we had was, I mean, we had, we all of a sudden went to having, you know, 250 athletes to having pretty much, we started the fall with 500 athletes on campus. Oh, wow. And with our coaches, everybody works out. Right. So all of a sudden, my assistant and I are like, we got 500 kids. We got to get through this weight room. <laughs> How are we going to do this? And, and we had, at one point, we only had two double-sided squat racks. Oh. So went to student government. They bought me two more. And instead of a, a, a double rack, it's a triple rack. Um, so it's a legend uh, triple rack. So you can do squats on the outside. It has a cage on the inside. And then the other side, you can do squats and, or bench also. So now with what we ordered this year, we're actually going to go from having 10 workstations to having 15 and have five that I can attach bands to and use chains with and, and all that's possible because of our student government where they see that, okay, with, if we add five more stations, 
you can all of a sudden get 45 football players in there, three guys at a, at a station, you're going to be able to get them in and out quicker and more at one time. Yep. So that opens it up to the rest of the student body faster. Right. So, and, and that, that really was the sell is that by getting this equipment, we're going to get it open for our regular student body more often and, you know, use less time for athletics as well. That's amazing. That's huge. So, the, yeah. But I know I, I went from, I, I've, I spent time, you know, in, in certain cases when I first got there, there were certain things I wanted and just didn't want to wait for and, and use my own money to purchase. But, you know, and, and doing camps and clinics here and there to, to raise money to get things and stuff like that too. I mean, it's, it's all about being uh, inventive and, and making sure you, you comply with your athletic director's rules and your athletic program and stuff right. like that. But, you know, when it comes down to, you know, if you feel you really need something, then, you know, and, and the answer is no, it's not in the budget. Sometimes you got to go out and find a way to get it. Yep. Whether it's raising the money or, you know, donations or who knows what. Yeah. And that's, you know what, though? Like, even if you're doing all of those things, you're doing it for one reason and I've, I've beat this head to the ground. I've beat this into the ground also. Like, it's about the students and about, it's about the athletes. It's not about you. It's a, not about right. you wanting that piece of equipment. It's about you needing that equipment to make progress for a student athlete. That's what it is. And it, yeah. it, it's as simple as that. And, uh, and it's so, man, you're probably in such a unique situation to where your student government understands that. And I'm sure you sell it in a way that, that, that makes sense to them too. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, it's going to benefit both sides of the bar because they want, they want great equipment in their, in their student union. And, uh, and they, they want, and you want the athletic program to have better equipment. So there's, there's a given pull there and, uh, you know, it, it takes resources from both sides to come to an agreement. So I think, right. uh, I think if, you know, and I came from, I went to school at Eastern Illinois University, holla, but it, uh, you know, it okay. was, it was a, it was a small, you know, it's not a massive university, but, you know, we had a nice student union and, um, you know, training facilities were kind of spread out and they were, they were utilized by, by different teams at different times. And, um, you know, like, I think, I think what it comes down to is when people start to, to realize that. The athletic program, it's not like the end-all, be-all of, of a university or a college campus, but what it brings to a college campus is undeniable. And people can right. get upset about it as much as they want and say that people spend too much money and time and effort on improving athletics. And man, like, I don't even know how to say it in a nice way. So I'll do what my mom says and just, and just like bypass, you know, I won't say anything at all about it, except for you wouldn't have majority of the things you have in a, in a, in a strength training facility or an exercise facility, if it wasn't for that athletic pro, if it wasn't for the athletic program and, uh, you know, for oh. small universities, that's all there is to it. It's not like everybody has an Alabama budget. You know, where you can have right. three different levels for a student union um, section and three different levels for a, uh, I, I'm just blowing smoke now. Like I have no idea what the, 
what their athletic situation looks like. But now everybody has that budget, and and that's all there is to it. So you right. got to be resourceful. Well, you you got to see from both sides. Right. Well, and the funny thing is, is I mean, I look on uh, on Football Scoop quite a bit just to see what other programs are doing and and things like that, and Strength Scoop, but. Um, I remember seeing just after the 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 Clemson Alabama game how much a uh, they did a uh, football scoop did a thing on uh, how much money Clemson brought in over the year from football. Oh man! And it was I was amazed. I don't know if I have the right number, but I want to say it was something like fifty-eight million dollars in the clear. <laughs> Just what? from their football program. What? And that's like ticket sales and, oh. and their travel expenses wow. already taken out. Plus, And the funny thing is, is their football program covered every other sport in their athletic department. Yep. And all their expenses on top of it. Right. And I, I mean, the sheer amount of money that some of these programs are oh, able sure. to bring in. Sure, sure, sure. It is amazing. And, and the, the, the funny thing is, cause my wife and I talk about it all the time, how, you know, should one of those coaches leave for another job, they're going to bring in another coach. That coach is going to probably bring in another strength coach that he likes. And that strength coach is probably going to look at the weight room and be like, you know what? I don't want any of this stuff. Right. Yeah. 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 I like, I like this kind of equipment or this, and the school's going to say, okay, yep. you got it. You got it. And yep. get rid of everything that was in there and put all brand new stuff in. And that's the way it goes. But at the same time, when they're paying for new buildings on campus and other new things on the rest of campus with that $58 million, how do you argue with it? You can't. You don't. You don't. So, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I mean, to a degree, I can see where sometimes it can get out of control, um, but at the same time, it's you know I was always told when I was down in South Florida at Florida Atlantic that that's how the University of Miami was built on Miami making bowl games. Yeah, well, that's yeah, definitely. You know, I, like I, their their med school would not be what it was if it hadn't been for Miami University University of Miami football. I believe it. I believe it. Every university, it's all predicated on how much money those people coming in the door and buying those hot dogs, you know, like just the money from those kind of sales. It's not like chump change. Right. It's not going to nothing. It's not going back right. in. It's not going into uh, uh, that money gets spread out so far. And, uh, you know, it's funny what you said about the the equipment because, and I, and I'm, I, I think I'm, I think I'm right when I say that. Uh, Mission Five, the training facility that I, that I'm in, we have a piece that was supposed to go to the uh, Oklahoma Thunder, Oklahoma City Thunder, and they didn't want it. And it's a nice like duo pulley adjustable machine. It's awesome. And I I if I'm not mistaken, I might have to make an adjustment to this podcast because of it. But I'm pretty sure like it showed up, and they're like wrong piece. We don't want this. And for some reason, like the the owner Joel Wainscott, he knows a, a ton of people in the industry, and he just happened to come across it and get it at a great deal. Like, right? That just shows the the level. Like, if you get up, it's not a cheap piece of equipment. This Life Fitness <laughs> dual pulley adjustable. Not. These pieces aren't cheap. 
And it's not right. like you're it's not like you're throwing out a pair of shoes that have been used for a couple of years. Like these are pieces of equipment that can still be sold for thousands and thousands of dollars. And in these in these universities and colleges and other athletic programs are saying when another program when another a manager comes in, yeah, you know what? I don't care for hammer strength. I care for X, Y, and Z strength. Right. Like let's get this in, instead. And the program's like, yep, you got it. You're going to bring us a championship. You're going to get us a bowl game. You're going to get us in the playoffs. Boom, you got it. No problem. Right. I mean, that's not anything to shake a stick at. You can't tell me that doesn't affect overall morale of a, of a program and, and a coach and a school. Right. So, so but I have to admit, I, probably, I have to say that uh, I'm very happy to be because of that point where, you know, coaches move on so quickly and yeah. at, at the division one level, I'm very happy to be at division three level where life is stable. <laughs> right. I don't have to worry about right. a new coach coming in and me losing my job um, no, no, no. and that kind of thing. So. Absolutely. And we're not, we're not saying like that, you know, a, a small university needs to step their game up and give the coaches what they want. We're just saying that there, there is a, and I don't know what it looks like when you go back to Alabama, Arkansas, you know, University of Kentucky, University of Illinois, whatever. I'm just saying that because I'm a Big Ten fan. But like I, I don't right. know what it, what it looks like when you know, 75 years ago, when an athletic training program or a, a you know a university has a start of a program, what those facilities look like and what it takes to build them up and what kind of uh, people they have backing them because I'm sure there are division three schools that you look at like, God, I wish we had those kind of numbers. Everybody has that. Every single person has that. Exactly. Like U of I has that. Indiana has that. Michigan has that. Ohio state has that. South Carolina. Oh, okay. Everybody has those schools. They're like, God, if we just had like one more freaking alumni, that was a president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> or or whatever, like everybody has those people. We're not saying that that's not that's not an issue. What we're saying is like, it's it's a mainstay, and the better those facilities are, the better outcome a university as a whole and definitely an athletic program is going to be. Right. Oh, exactly. And then the other thing is too is is uh, people in general always tend to think it's a it's, the grass is always a little greener on the other side of the fence. Yep. Definitely. You know what's on the other side of the fence most of the time? Same old problems. Shit. Manure. <laughs> That's what it is. It's the same old shit on the other side. And, you know, I, I, I can't take credit for that. My my good friend and owner of Mission 5, Joel Wayne Scott, told me that. He's like, look, man, it may seem greener, greener on the other side, but you know what got this side that you're on green? The same stuff you're going to find on the other side. It's just a different scale. Yep. That's all there is to it. It's at a different scale. Exactly. So, I mean, right. you know, it, it is what it is. But I, I think, honestly, overall, you know, Wil places like Wilkes University and other small colleges around the town, or around around the, the country, and, uh, you know, I, I always I always reference back to um, places like Eastern Illinois University where, where I went and the athletes that they produce. And uh, even, like, my buddy Joel – who went to Moorhead College, played football there. My my friend uh, uh, Ryan Flynn, he played at a bigger university. He was a shot put thrower at University of Cincinnati. All of those places have very similar strength training um, philosophies 
but right. but like when you extrapolate, you you kind of grow <laughs> out. Everybody has their own special needs, right? And, and I don't think that I don't think it goes for uh, I don't think it goes far without saying that it all comes back to what's the best for the athlete and what can we do for them. Right. Exactly. So, and there's so many different ways to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. Every, uh, to, to a degree, everybody's right and everybody's wrong. No, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that goes so. without, without saying everybody, I don't know if there's ever been a truer statement on this <laughs> podcast, like 50 something, almost 60 podcasts in and you pro I probably shut this podcast down now with that with that quote because it's like everybody has their own way of doing things and somebody's going to disagree somebody's going to agree there's always going to be two sides but when it boils down to it man if if you're getting quality output in an athletic program or with a client then and they're not injured and they're safe and they're efficient and people are happy and they're having fun doing what they're doing shut up <laughs> exactly I agree. So just, just I agree one hundred percent. And keep grinding. Like what? Right. I don't, I mean, they, okay. Granted, there are some things that are just absolutely ridiculous that are that that are outliers. Like we don't even have to get into that. That's a whole separate podcast. But there <laughs> there are, there are some things that are just batshit crazy ridiculous. But there are other things that are that just make sense. And when people are arguing about what kind of equipment needs to go where. And this is better than that in terms of like building, you know, safety and strength and flexibility and so on. I mean, when it comes down to it, like if you have what you need and you're creative and you can build on what's already there and the success that your program's already had, I think you're headed in the right direction. I agree. I agree. Definitely. Mic drop. Hold on a second. I'm going to drop my mic. All right. <laughs> but uh, look, Keith, uh, we had an awesome podcast, and I think uh, everybody's gotten a lot of good, a lot of good uh, info from it. And if people want to contact you, if they have any more questions, comments, concerns, where can they reach you? Uh, the best way to reach me would be through my email, um, which is keith.clayhold at wilkes.edu. Or we also have a, a Wilkes SNC uh, Twitter page also. So they could reach out through uh, Twitter and contact us as well. Okay, perfect. So, and I, I have that linked uh, already. So I'll I'll put that on the podcast notes. And if people want to get a hold of you, I hope they do. So, Keith, again, I appreciate you taking the time, and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you.